الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولا يغتب بعضكم بعضا ايحب احدكم ان ياكل لحم اخيه ميتا فكرهتموه واتقوا الله ان الله تواب رحيم صدق الله صدق الله مولانا العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين honorable ulama respected hafiz beloved brothers and elders we all know <coughs> we are going through this most blessed month of shaaban a month prior to this we all were reciting the dua allahumma barik lana fi rajab wa shaaban wa balighna ramadan allah bless us in these two months of rajab and shaaban allow us to safely reach the month of ramadan our duas are still continuing may allah allow every one of us to see this ramadan and many many more ramadans to come this is only one month in the year in which from rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam we are taught to make dua two months in advance to reach this mubarak month there are many months in the year which are special which are virtuous which hold a very high rank in the sight of Allah but only for Ramadan do we make this dua two months in advance oh Allah allow us to reach the month of Ramadan a month which has virtue more than we can comprehend Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said so clearly that this month is shahrul mubarak a month full of blessing shahrun azim a great month a month in which people are freed from the fire of jahannam A month in which live alone the day and the night every second is blessed. A month in which there is a night which is better than a thousand months. The night of Qadr, the Laylatul Qadr. So Mubarak, so blessed. Every day there is a dua somewhere along the day the 24 hours of the day and night in which any any dua you make at that time that dua is guaranteed answered. These were specialities given to the anbiya alayhi wasalam of the past that when they asked the duas were answered and here Allah is blessing us with this great virtue an extremely great month like the virtue is so much we've heard we've read and we'll continue reading about how great this mubarak month is you start off any action one one faraz act is multiplied 70 times the nafal act is like a faraz act but like the virtue is so much so many so enormous nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam highlights and brings to our attention 
something even more important than the virtue. The virtue is reigning. It's so much. But we find in the hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Many people will be fasting from the morning right till sunset. From Subh Sadiq till Maghrib. They'll be staying away from food, from drink. They'll be staying away from eating or drinking anything. But what will they get from that fast? Nothing but hunger. The only thing they'll get from that fast is staying away and keeping their stomachs empty. Otherwise, they'll get no virtue whatsoever. Some people will be standing the night in salah. They will be standing engaging in taraweeh. But they'll get nothing from that ibadat except tiring their bodies and straining their legs. They'll get no virtue whatsoever. In the Quran Kareem, Surah Kahf, a surah that we recite regularly on a Friday. Allah asks the question, قُلْ هَلْ أُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِالْأَخْسَرِينَ أَعْمَالًا Should I inform you of those who will be in the worst of positions? They'll be absolute losers as far as their deeds are concerned. الَّذِينَ ضَلَّ سَعْيُهُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ يَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ يُحْسِنُونَ سُنْحًا those whose efforts will all be wasted in this world, they are thinking their frame of mind is we're engaging in good, this avenue, that avenue, so much of good, but all their deeds are rendered void. Already, this is something to be scared about. And we need to discuss this point before the month of Ramadan comes so that we do not fall into this category. My work today is not to frighten someone. Not to make someone disillusioned, not to demoralize someone. But if we aren't aware of the loss that we can experience, it mustn't be on the day of Eid when everyone is celebrating and we're expecting to have great reward. Our rewards are all gone down the drain. We haven't gained anything. So Muhaddithin explained under that hadith we discussed, many people will be fasting, but they'll get nothing but hunger. The reason is, Whilst they stayed away from food and drink, they stayed away from eating and drinking, they made the correct niyat at heart, but there were certain deeds that they carried out whilst they were fasting that rendered the reward of that fast null and zero. Now these are the deeds we got to be careful about. These are the things we got to be watchful about and ensure that we guard ourselves and our families from engaging in any of these actions so that we do not end up as losers on the day of Qiyamah. So one action that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam specially highlighted that we need to be careful about. And when we speak of preparation in Rajab and Shaban, we need to guard ourselves from this action from Rajab, Shaban, so that in Ramadan the habit is built and inshallah throughout the rest of the year we'll stay away from this, this evil deed. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam specially highlighted and he made, he taught us that sometimes people, they stay away from the physical food and physical drink, but they engage in eating, they engage in consuming flesh which is haram during their fast. They're not touching that flesh. 
But here Rasulullah is referring to an ayat of Quran in which Allah says, أَيُحِبُّ أَحَدُكُمْ do any of you enjoy, love, like, take passion in eating the flesh of your dead Muslim brother? Do you enjoy this? Do you like it? No, you dislike it. There is an action in deen that is equal to eating the flesh of your dead Muslim brother and that's something we term and call in shariat as ghibat, backbiting. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked sahaba, do you know atadruna mal ghiba? Do you know what's the definition of backbiting? Sahaba replied, no, Allahu wa rasuluhu a'lam, Allah and his rasul know best. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went on to explain, dhikruka akhaka bima yakra. Making any mention of your brother, your sister, anyone, dead or alive, in a way that they would dislike how and what you're saying about them. If you're engaging in that, this is ghibat. Imam Nawi rahmatullah says, Sawa'un, dhakartahu bilisanik, aw katabtahu biyadik, aw ramazta ilayhi bi'aynik, aw bi'ra'sik. Whether you say it verbally, or whether you write it down, or type it out in a message, or whether you even imitate him, making a sign with your head or your eye, but in a way that hurts him, this is termed as ghibat. And... This is one deed that will render all our actions null and void. We expected to see a lot in our book of deeds. We expected at the end of Ramadan that we fasted the entire month. But when the records are looked at, it's all zero. Because whilst we were fasting, this is what we did. In the time of Rasulullah wasallam, a complaint was brought that two women are experiencing difficulty, extreme difficulty whilst fasting. And they were requesting to break the fast. Rasulullah had sent to them a goblet, a cup. He sent a goblet, a cup, a utensil. Then let this utensil go to these two women and ask them to vomit into the utensil. When that utensil was brought before them, one woman vomited. And what came out? It was blood, pus and pieces of flesh. When the next woman vomited, the goblet, the cup was filled with their vomit. They were surprised because they hadn't consumed flesh for sahri. What was this? Rasulullah said, they refrained from eating flesh, meat, whilst they were fasting. But they engaged in backbiting people whilst they were in the condition of rosa. As a result, the rosa became difficult and their thawab became nullified. This happened in the time of Rasulullah and this is something he warned us so strongly against not to engage in ghibat of anyone at any time. And remember, ghibat is so serious. The person saying it, the person speaking, and the person listening are both the same. Whether you said it or you listened to it, whether you wrote it or whether you read it, either way, you're engaging in ghibat, you need to be refraining from this. So in ghibat, you get the active participant and you get the passive participant, both of them are exactly the same. You're going to stay away from this act as far as possible in the Quran Kareem. Allah Ta'ala commands us that, وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الَّذِينَ يَخُوضُونَ فِي آيَاتِنَا فَأَعْرِضْ عَنْهُمْ حَتَّى يَخُوضُوا فِي حَدِيثٍ غَيْرِهِ When you see people engaging in this wrong deed, then turn away until they engage in a different discussion. 
But if shaitan causes you to forget, Move away from the gathering. Don't be a participant to any aspect of ghibat. Don't, part- don't be part of this because you'll be equal in crime. When you want to understand the seriousness of a crime, then just look at how serious Rasulullah wasallam had taken it. He was a man who was blessed with ilm al-awwaleen wal-akhireen. The knowledge of the former, all the former people and all the latter to come till the day of Qiyamah. All the Anbiya alayhimussalam's knowledge, Nabi alayhisalam was blessed with it. He saw what we didn't see. He understood what we will never even comprehend ever in our lives. He saw Jannah, he saw Jahannam. Let's understand how serious he took this aspect of ghibat. On one occasion, Hazrat Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was seated with Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. We know Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam was blessed with many wives through the command and instruction of Allah ta'ala. And it's normal, it's natural. When a person has many people under him, everyone wants the, the, the favor and the attention and love of the senior. So all the azwajib al-tahrat, they wanted Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam special love. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, on one occasion she made mention, not in a bad way, but trying to um, win the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, she made a comment about Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha. Safiya radiallahu anha was obviously originally from a Jewish tribe, and she came into the marriage of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, she accepted Islam, but she wasn't very tall, so Aisha radiallahu anha latched onto this one aspect, and she, she said to Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Safiya, you know, it's sufficient to be a fault on Safiya's side that she's, you know, just like this, meaning ta'ni qasiratan, she's short, she's not very tall. Now, obviously, if you're going to comment about someone's height in front of someone else in a derogatory way, they wouldn't appreciate it. This is ghibat. Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam didn't overlook it. He didn't say, "No, it's my wife. Let me just carry on." He told Aisha radiallahu anha, Innaki takallamti bi kalimatin. O Aisha, you mentioned such a phrase. Law muzijat bihal bahru lamazajathu. If this one phrase of yours, which comprises of only a few words, if this one phrase is thrown and put into the, the water of the ocean, this one phrase is so rotten, it's so toxic, that it would overcome and overwhelm the acidity of the sea. That sea water, anything you put into it, it'll dissolve it. It's so salty. But there's, if there's anything that can convert and get overwhelmed and overcome the salty nature of the sea, it's one statement of ghibat. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was walking once and a terrible smell had emerged. Nabi alayhi salatu wasallam asked the sahaba, do you know what smell is this? A dirty, filthy, rotten smell. They said no. He said this is the scent and the smell of those people who engage in ghibat. You and I think, it's one statement we made. It's just some words we uttered, it's just going to go into hot air and it's going to disappear. No. Our one statement is corrupting the environment around us. When we find we don't have the drive, 
people are reading Quran, they're coming for salah, they're engaging in dhikr, they're doing so much of ibadat, but we're finding there's a, a restriction from our side. What's the problem? We've corrupted our environment, we've corrupted our homes, we've engaged in actions that Nabi doesn't like. We may not be getting that smell, but that smell is moving all around us and corrupting everyone around us. On one occasion, Hazrat Nabi is going for Hajj. This was about the final year of Rasulullah's life. Hajjatul Wada'a, the last farewell Hajj. On this trip, the Azwaj Mutaharat are with him, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum are with him. Remember, Nabi only did one Hajj, only performed one Hajj. What an honor it must have been to be with him whilst they were moving. The, the camel of Safiya radiallahu anha, her conveyance became ill, he couldn't move very well. Nabi suggested to Zainab radiallahu anha, Oh Zainab, you've got an extra conveyance. Lend your extra conveyance to Safiya radiallahu anha. She made a comment and she said, Should I lend my camel to that Jewess? Should I lend my camel to that Jewess? Obviously there was a rivalry. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam never took the statement on the surface. He stopped talking to Hazrat Zainab radiallahu anha. He stopped talking because of one statement. He took the statement so serious because she's a Muslim and you're calling her a non-Muslim. She's a Muslim, you're calling her a Jewess. She never mean the reality of the statement. But Nabi wasallam took it so serious, he never wanted to speak and be in the company of someone who engaged in ghibat. Hazrat Zainab radiallahu anha says it was the month of Hajj Zul Hijjah. The whole month passed, the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi never speak to me. Then we went on to after Zul Hijjah, we went on to Muharram, he never speak to me. Safar, he never speak to me. Three months, three months he stopped speaking because of one statement. Because this is what it meant to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Hazrat Zainab radiallahu anhu says, Hatta ya istu minhu. Until I reached a point that I felt Nabi wasalam is now going to separate himself from me. I'm not going to be his wife anymore. Only when Rabi al-Awwal entered, that's when Rasulullah came to my house and began visiting, visiting me and speaking to me as normal because ghibat is so, so serious. So respect elders and friends, this is the call of the day. If we are not going to guard ourselves and train ourselves in these months prior to Ramadan, it's likely in Ramadan we'll engage in an action that will render our deeds void. But the beauty of deen, Rasulullah brought this deen, which is the most perfect deen, which is the most beautiful deen, and this deen is all completely balanced. When Nabi wasalam, or deen or Allah Ta'ala prevents us from doing something, they'll always give us something to do in return. If deen is saying, don't make zina, then deen will also tell us, you can engage in nikah. If deen is telling us, not to do something, deen will show us a way out. So like we are taught, not to engage in ghibat, not to engage in haram, there must be something we can do to counter that. And therefore, Nabi wasalam, what did he say? He says in the month of Ramadan, I ask you to engage. And four actions. You and I, when our fathers, our ustads, our grandparents, anyone of seniority, he says, I'm giving you an advice. Please take this and carry it out. People go to different parts of the world and they say, you know what, this buzruk gave me one wazifa. He gave me one zikr. 
We hold so firmly onto that zikr and that wazifa. Here the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is teaching us, I am instructing every one of you, every ummati of mine, in the month of Ramadan, you must engage in four actions. Four statements. What are these four? Number one, engage in reciting La ilaha illallah, in abundance. A kalima we read from the time we born, when we the first words we hear, and Allah make it the last words we'll recite, La ilaha illallah, recite this in abundance. Number two, recite Astaghfirullah. Ask Allah's forgiveness. Number three, ask Allah for Jannat. Number four, ask Allah protection from Jahannam. Four simple things. What is Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam teaching us? Engage your tongue in the right deeds and automatically you'll be saved from the wrong. If you're concentrating on reciting La ilaha illallah, Astaghfirullah, asking Allah for Jannat and seeking protection from Jahannam, you will not have time to engage in ghibat. You will not have time to use your tongue in the wrong avenues because it's always being spent in what it's supposed to be spent. In one hadith, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he advised us and he taught us. Remember, we are moving every day. We're looking for some power or the other. We walk out the masjid or we walk in the masjid. We're going home. We're going to our businesses. And people complain, Mulana, you know, whatever is happening, sometimes shaitan has the better over me. I'm trying my best to stay away from this wrong and that wrong. But I get caught up. What did Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam do? You want a weapon? You want something? You want a tool? To use to fight against shaitan, any enemy you engage with, you need a weapon and a tool to fight with him. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, what did he say? Alaykum, bila ilaha illallah wal istighfar fa akthiru min huwa. Nabi sallallahu said, let me tell you, engage in two actions, and not just on an ordinary level, do them in abundance. Why? Fa'inna iblis qal, ahlaktu nasa bidhunub, wa ahlakuni bila ilaha illallah wal istighfar. Iblis, Nabi wasalam, is quoting what Shaitan said. Shaitan's statement is recorded in the hadith. Shaitan says, nasa When I want to destroy people, overcome them, overwhelm them, overpower them, and get them into my clutches. And all I do is, I get them in sin. This is the way I drop human beings. This is the way I involve them in haram, and I bring them closer to me and distant away from Allah Ta'ala. Then Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam says, let me give you two weapons, O insan. Let me put two weapons in your hand. Because shaitan says, I destroy them, I put them off, but then there are two weapons they use against me, and they gain the upper hand on me through these two weapons. And what are these two? La ilaha illallah and istighfar. Recite this in abundance, because shaitan himself is saying, any effort that I do on people, it all gets broken down, just because of them reciting La ilaha illallah and istighfar, these are two special dhikrs. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam is asking us to engage in, in this Mubarak month of Ramadan. Let's not wait for Ramadan to come for us to start it. Rajab and Shaban. Rajab is over, Shaban is here. We're on the doorstep of Ramadan. Let's start the dhikrs now so that this becomes a means of us being saved and protected from engaging in anything haram during the Mubarak months of Ramadan. This is the way, when, the, when Deen is teaching us, don't do something, it will also show us. Do something else so that you can guard yourself and be protected against that harm that shaitan is going to bring to us. So all the message is simple. Let's hold on to La ilaha illallah. Let's hold on to al-istighfar. And really when we do this, one person we spoke to the other day, he made mention 
that just by reciting these simple dhikrs, we're asking you to engage in a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand or something difficult for you. All you have to do is recite La ilaha illallah, astaghfirullah to the best of your ability. He says the amount of composure, the amount of concentration, the way things began working out for him just because of him reciting these. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam said, the best dhikr you can engage in is La ilaha illallah. We want to do a lot of things, engage in La ilaha illallah. A simple way to achieve that is to keep one of these tasbih counters, whether it's a rotary tasbih, or whether it's an electronic tasbih, but keep that in our hands, recite this in abundance, and see how Allah aids and assists us. One narration has recorded, is recorded in this manner, that anyone who recites La ilaha illallah 70,000 times, this becomes a means of deliverance for that person from the fire of Jahannam. You recite this as 70,000, one set, of 70,000, Allah will save you from the fire of Jahannam. There are people in our community, in our midst, who have multiple of these sets, multiple sets like this. And every time someone passes away, they send the thawab to them. People complain, I'm not hafiz. People complain, I'm not so pious. Sit with that tasbih counter and recite as much as you can. If that number reaches at 70,000, really, you are benefiting yourself, you're benefiting others. One person we met personally, who has multiple of these sets. We asked him how he engages in this. So he said, my secret is, I keep my mouth closed. I don't engage in conversation where I'm not supposed to. I just got my tasbih. When I'm walking to the car, I'm going home, I'm going to work. My tasbih is moving. And he says, in a day sometimes, 5,000, 10,000 is covered. So let us guard our moments. Use this time before Ramadan to spend and use our tongues in the right thing so that we are safe from the wrong. May Allah bless us with the tawfiq to practice. Wa akhiru da'wan and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.